Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. And we are live. Hello, Keto Reset Facebook group. Let's pull up my questions and comments because we gotta we gotta set some things straight. I just had a great meeting and podcast with Dr. Kate to set things straight. Dr. Kate Shanahan, that is, and she delivered some extremely interesting insights, countering some of the uh, strange conventional. Uh, hype surrounding the ketogenic diet. So uh, one of the things that was really mind-blowing was Kate's strong contention that ketone production is a starvation process where the brain can receive a reliable fuel source when calories are scarce. We also know when carbohydrates are scarce, but mainly it's a starvation process that is generated by the burning of stored body fat as opposed to ingested body fat. As you can read in the Keto Reset Diet, a single ketogenic amino acid is responsible for triggering ketone production, uh, or we called it a single liver hormone known as FGF21, it's responsible for the oxidation of fatty acids into ketones in the liver. When glucose levels are high, ketone production is suppressed. Same with when insulin is high. The body deems it unnecessary to go to the trouble of making ketones because of the abundance of quick-burning glucose. While almost everyone is making a little bit of ketones by the time they awaken, it's the consequence of not eating overnight, the ingestion of a single high-carbohydrate snack meal will abruptly shut down the fragile ketone assembly line while glucose takes center stage. Uh, as I learned in more detail from talking to Kate, if you eat anything, you get an insulin response, even fat, although the insulin response is delayed a couple hours, uh, and that possibly is the insulin coming from uh, the consumption of, of, of an entirely fat meal is possibly because... Uh, we don't need to use our circulating glucose, right? So uh, eating any kind of food stimulates an insulin response. We know, obviously, with carbs, we also know that protein stimulates insulin. It also stimulates glucagon, insulin's counter-regulatory hormone that removes uh, nutrition from storage and puts it into the bloodstream. So it's not as, uh, as, a sh as much of a um, deleterious effect as uh, having a quick spike of carbs and having that insulin spike. But eating anything will likely shut down ketone production, even consuming a ketone supplement, right? Because all of a sudden, you are getting the ketones you need from the drink so that uh, uh, endogenous ketone production is shut down. Oh, interesting. What's the takeaway? How did keto become the bacon and butter diet? Maybe because it's fun and easy and convenient and you have permission to eat all these delicious foods thinking that it's going to lead to uh, the, the wonderful benefits of ketone, the bliss of uh, being in ketosis. But we want to stay focused on the optimal way to uh, stimulate ketone production, get into ketosis, and that is through uh, skipping meals. 
fasting, eating in a compressed time window, things that you can do when you become competent uh, as a fat burner, okay? So Dr. Kate's got a new book coming out called uh, The Fat Burn Factor, Fat Burn Fix, and one of the big uh, stepping points in the process is to quit snacking between meals. Oh, bummer. I was sorry to learn that because I love snacking on my dark chocolate or whatever sitting around. Of course, it's keto-friendly, so I'm not spoiling any of my goals. But in fact, uh, getting competent at skipping meals and going long periods of time where you're turbocharging your uh, internal fat metabolism as a consequence rather than waking up and slamming uh, hundreds of calories in your coffee in the name of keto or the most ridiculous example I've heard so far uh, from a sixth grader friend named Phoebe who was relating a story that her mom told her uh, where uh, they went out to lunch with somebody uh, who was explaining that they were into keto and it's going good and they're uh, on week whatever and the person whipped out a stick of butter from their purse and put it on the table during lunch. And with every bite of food that she consumed, she also cut off a little sliver of butter to wash every bite of food down with a slice of butter. So that's a butter. So that's kind of taking it to uh, an extreme or misinterpreting, misappropriating what uh, the ketogenic diet is all about in the ketogenic state. Okay. Makes sense. You want to throw some questions down into the chat line? Go ahead. Thanks for uh, announcing your presence and greeting. That's cool. Okay. I also have a ton of questions uh, from uh, listeners to the, uh, to the show on the Primal Blueprint podcast, The Keto Show. I also invite you to go over and check out my new podcast called The Get Over Yourself Podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever else you consume podcasts and all the uh, material about the shows. We have comprehensive uh, descriptions, written content for you to consume at bradkearns.com. Fun stuff. So the Get Over Yourself podcast is broadening out the discussion topics from uh, just focused on diet, focused on keto, or like my primal endurance show, focused on endurance training, uh, talking about all manners of health, fitness, peak performance, happiness, personal growth, relationships, things that go hand in hand with, let's say, succeeding on a ketogenic diet because we make such an important point that you got to have your other lifestyle factors in order. Uh, talking to my sidekick, Dr. Lindsay Taylor, the wonderful creator, moderator of this group. And of course, she has that background in social psychology, always referencing the importance of pursuing these goals with a healthy mindset and making the observation that we're going to talk about further uh, on an upcoming Facebook Live event, I believe in two days. Uh, we're going to talk about the healthy, healthy mindset, healthy psychological approach to keto, because what we're finding is so much of this orthorexia element is creeping in, whereby uh, the definition of that term is uh, a fixation, on, an, an excessive fixation on doing things in a correct manner to the extent that it creates uh, a stress in itself. And we have reports, people writing in, uh, sharing on the uh, Facebook groups about an extremely regimented approach to keto. And what I've talked about a lot to you guys in sharing my own person exa personal example on the podcast is that I've stumbled upon a long-term strategy that I would call 
spontaneous and intuitive. So many days, I will start out with my super nutrition green smoothie. You can look for that link on YouTube, Brad Kern's Super Nutrition Green Smoothie. And I throw all kinds of stuff in there, especially a lot of healthy greens, beets, celery, chard, kale, spinach, uh, throwing that all in there along with the primal fuel powder and assorted other nutritional supplements that I've been advised to take, especially ancestral supplements, the organ meat, the bone broth in a capsule form so you don't have to worry about making these meals that you might not be too good at cooking or too good at eating, enjoying like liver. So now I love throwing a bunch of capsules of ancestral supplements products in there. They have heart, kidney, liver, uh, bone broth, all that kind of stuff is going into my smoothie, uh, creatine, glutamine, uh, L-carnitine, things that'll help with fat burning, MCT oil. You can see it all on the video that I have on YouTube. Uh, but that's a common way to start my day. Sometimes I'll put that smoothie up uh, in the early morning hours. Today, I just drank it. So that was my first consumption of any calories at noon. So I kind of had a fasting period today. But overall, mix it up a little bit, relax and stay focused on these big picture concerns, such as emphasizing healthy, nutritious foods. If they happen to be carbs someday or some week, whatever time period of your life you're in, and I will profess to enjoying uh, wonderful binges on big bowls of popcorn with a lot of butter and olive oil and real salt poured all over the product. And if I feel like it sometime, I'm just going to do it. A lot of times it goes hand in hand with uh, extra energy expenditure from ambitious workouts. So I guess uh, Luis Villasenor at Keto Gains is calling this a targeted ketogenic diet strategy where whatever carbs you do consume are kind of paired, I guess, either before or after ambitious workouts to ensure that you recover adequately. I also had a great conversation recently with Ben Greenfield, the human biohacker, experimenter, extreme living enthusiast. And I'm starting to warm up more and more to his kind of approach to keto, whereby he banks a lot of hours in a fasted state or having consumed keto-aligned meals so that he's putting together whatever it is, uh, 12, 18, 24, 36 hours uh, where he's doing uh, high-intensity workouts in a fasted state, uh, maybe eating a keto-aligned meal. But then he references that nighttime in the family home, the Greenfield crib, where uh, his wife and kids are enjoying and celebrating life and eating whatever, these great concoctions that his wife, Jessa, will make. And maybe they might be high in carbs, the sweet potato chips or uh, whatever preparation of his ice cream. And he has videos of him making his homemade ice cream or choosing a good product that he's found. So getting a big dose of carbs, but the uh, benefit coming that he's certain to recover from whatever crazy workout stuff that he did training for Spartan race that day. And then having all these carbs at nighttime in, in a uh, narrow time period, he's getting the recovery benefits, the glycogen restoration, all the other nutritional things such as the uh, prebiotic fibers that are contained in a lot of high carbohydrate foods that keto people might be missing out on. But in, he's getting those in a tight window, waking up the next morning, fasting, whatever, consuming keto-aligned meals. So maybe that's getting the best of both worlds. That said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 
there are different strategies based on your particular goals. And one popular goal, especially in the keto scene, is the desire to reduce excess body fat. So we might have a little more of a straightforward approach there where you're wanting to keep those carbohydrates down into the professed ketogenic range of 50 grams per day or below in the interest of turbocharging fat burning and getting rid of that excess body fat and then getting back into a more uh, fluctuating pattern long-term when you're at your ideal body composition. But some other things are becoming apparent here when it comes to this big issue of uh, using keto to reduce excess body fat. Uh, one of them is it's really not a straightforward approach as we might think it is or maybe have enthusiastically written about uh, by many of the experts where if you just cut your carbs down to 50 day or below, you'll drop excess weight. <sighs> It's pretty close to that, but there are some other factors to consider. One of them from our dream team at nourishbalancethrive.com, Chris Kelly, Dr. Tommy Wood, is the idea, the concept that first you must become metabolically healthy before you even consider a goal like reducing excess body fat. So if you have gut dysfunction, gut inflammation, autoimmune conditions, things of that nature, thyroid problems. Uh, someone has told you that you have adrenal burnout, whether or not that's the literal uh, best description of what's going on. If you're tired, stressed, uh, have a history of metabolic damage from yo-yo dieting, you want to tighten things up and get healthy before you start into a caloric deficit. Otherwise, you're going to struggle, suffer, activate the stress response, make a bunch of sugar from stripping down lean muscle tissue into sugar because remember, you suck at burning body fat because you've had decades and decades of metabolic damage from uh, high carbohydrate eating patterns or worse, yo-yo dieting. And now we're encompassing almost everyone on the planet, right? We've all been through those decades in our youth uh, up to present day or however, however present day is from when you uh, went primal or went low carb. And we have to unwind a lot of that damage. And it might not happen in six months for you. It might not happen in 12 months. It might be a longer process to heal that gut, to get good at burning fat, uh, to get good at sleeping and optimizing the uh, prominent appetite hormone of ghrelin and the prominent satiety and fat storage hormone known as leptin. When these things are dysregulated and screwed up from decades and decades of poor living, um, it's going to be hard to achieve a goal like reducing excess body fat because maybe your appetite is going to be overstimulating, uh, overstimulated, consuming more calories than you need uh, because of the years and years of uh, roller coaster eating living in the high carb scene. Uh, so that's a great insight is to get healthy first, feel good at rest, be able to skip a meal and still function with peak cognitive or peak physical demand and not be uh, having these bomb outs or these spin outs where you're craving sugar or you're feeling like you're going to pass out at your desk. Those are signs of uh, metabolic dysfunction, inability to access and burn stored body fat efficiently. Why? Because we have zillions and trillions of calories of fat on our body, uh, supposedly readily accessible and available to burn. And so if you're feeling like you're going to pass out at your desk, 
two hours after uh, a high calorie lunch meal, that means your fat stores are sitting there unused uh, by definition because your brain's running out of energy, right? So we want to get good at just existing throughout the day in a energetic and balanced state, balanced mood, balanced energy, balanced appetite, and then we can go attack this challenge of dropping excess body fat by creating a uh, natural and comfortable caloric deficit. And so the commonly criticized calories in, calories out model for weight loss been slammed and beaten to death for the past decade when we've awakened to the uh, idea that uh, uh, low-carb, low-insulin production diet is the true path to fat reduction, calories in, calories out is BS, but uh, that kind of uh, semantics might be a little objectionable at this point where you still have to create that caloric deficit. So you still have to burn more calories than you consume to get that excess body fat off your body. So how do you do it? Skipping meals, fasting. These are only available to people who have become skilled at burning body fat. If you go on a crash keto diet and just slash your carbohydrates out of nowhere, significantly going from whatever you were eating 200 250 300 if you're on standard american diet even from 150 if you're a primal aligned eater down to 50 but you haven't really become competent at fat burning in general what's going to happen is your brain's still going to require the glucose it's still going to be kind of uh, uh dependent upon a steady drip of glucose because you're not good at burning fat and making ketones. And you're just going to make them from gluconeogenesis, the fight or flight response. Funny thing about the fight or flight response in connection with uh, dietary transformation or extreme dietary change, as well as extreme uh, athletic training patterns is for a while in the, uh, uh, the adaptation phase, you feel good. You feel full of energy. I don't need to eat breakfast. I feel great all day. I did this. I'm doing this keto thing. I'm alert. I'm psyched. I'm pumped up. I'm losing weight at first. And what's happening is the fight or flight response is kicking in uh, in a prolonged manner because you're starving yourself of the usual energy supply for muscles and brain that is glucose, dietary carbohydrate. So you feel good for a while while the fight or flight response is doing its job. Maybe you have some reference points of high stimulation or crisis, personal crisis periods of life where you wake up every day, you're wired on adrenaline, you're a little shaky, shaky, you jump out of bed, you don't even need food, and you go hard for 12 hours while your company's leading up to the IPO or you're going through personal crisis or whatever's going on, family illness, uh, uh, divorce, tragic consequences, whatever and you're just running along on fumes, so to speak, without those nutritious meals that are designed to be the main source of your sustenance and energy. And then what happens inevitably is you fall off that cliff when your body gets exhausted uh, from this overstimulation of the fight-or-flight response from making uh, sugar constantly to fuel your brain's needs in the absence of healthy dietary habits, healthy sleep, and things that are in balance rather than during these high-stress periods. So that can be the, that falling into this category can be uh, a quick switch over to keto before you've become competent at uh, burning body fat. Makes sense. 
That's why the Keto Reset Diet journey is so important. Quick recap, you commence with that 21-day metabolism reset. First week is ditching grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils, getting those out of the diet so you have a fighting chance at escaping carbohydrate dependency and becoming fat adapted. So your first step is to get rid of that crap. Might be a little difficult in the first three weeks, depending on how far down that road, how deep down that hole you are, but you can sustain yourself with these delicious, nutritious, uh, high-fat meals with real food and not worrying about any caloric deficit particularly. Maybe you're even eating a little bit extra just to prevent yourself from backsliding and falling back into the trap of reaching for the coffee and the energy bar in the afternoon and the uh, non-fat uh, yogurt with a bunch of berries and whatever you're snacking on in the morning that's giving you these quick doses of sugar. Oh, excuse me, what about Starbucks with their default setting on their uh, mobile ordering app of seven pumps of liquid cane sugar? Is their default setting for all the tea drinks? So they want Americans to dose up on sugar and if you want to choose out of that disastrous lifestyle pattern, you have to push your thumb on the minus thing seven times or five times if you're working at it and wanting to progress down to that zero pumps of liquid cane sugar. Oh my gosh, what a disaster. I'm so sorry that uh, Starbucks and hopefully if anyone's listening, why don't you make the default zero pumps of sugar and then have people mindfully, intentionally push that thing every time they want a little dose of sugar. Oh my goodness. Anyhow, uh, I'm so upset that I lost my train of thought a little bit. So we want to take that, that first week of the 21-day metabolism reset and get rid of the processed foods, especially uh, the uh, high polyunsaturated refined vegetable oils. Dr. Kate Shanahan is maybe the world's leading crusader against these things, calling them out as the very worst thing you can consume in the human diet. They inflict immediate damage at the cellular level such that they are literally, quote, no different than eating radiation, end quote, by Dr. Kate Shanahan. So when you consume these refined vegetable oils, they get integrated into your cells. Your body thinks that they're uh, a nutritious source of energy. Uh, and then the, uh, the the toxic agents kind of stay in your fat cells because they're difficult to burn, because they are dysfunctional and have sustained oxidative damage during the processing and heating them up when you consume your deep fried food. So if you are having a diet high in polyunsaturated vegetable oils, as you have probably for your whole life, we got to completely eradicate these things from the diet to help you become good at burning body fat. If there's a lot of that in there, it's going to dysregulate your healthy fat metabolism. Whew, bad news. And guess what? When you have that uh, stubborn areas of fat that are staying on your body, even as you get fit and drop some weight, uh, that's because these are, these are maybe these dysfunctional uh, polyunsaturated fats that are hanging around uh, underneath the skin and are more difficult to burn. So you got to work hard to get those completely out of the diet, 100% zero tolerance. Unfortunately, some disturbing statistics reveal that these things contribute a huge percentage of calories to our daily food intake. Dr. Andrew Weil states that soybean oil alone, just one of the types, along with canola, corn, cottonseed, 
safflower, sunflower. You see it on labels of all manner of processed foods, frozen foods, snacks, crap like that. Of course, laden uh, with the vegetable oils are all the fast food products and even uh, quality restaurants from the medium price chains to the very finest restaurant that you might dine in uh, routinely integrate vegetable oils into all their cooking processes such that they're going to contribute a large portion of the calories. Kate and Luke Shanahan cite research estimating that 40% of all restaurant calories that you consume come from these toxic refined vegetable oils that will shorten your life, increase your risk of cancer, and make it very difficult for you to healthily burn body fat. Doesn't that sound like a lot of calories? Gee, that's strange. Why is that happening? Because when you order a salad with the wonderful ingredients, I'll have the arugula candied walnut cranberry salad, please, with mozzarella. Yeah, yeah, that's great. All those nutritious foods in your salad. But if you douse it with a routine vegetable oil, because the oil is such a calorically dense part of the entire uh, meal there, it's going to contribute more calories than a giant bowl of a kale salad. You get what I'm saying? If you have two tablespoons of oil going on that salad, that's equivalent to all the other calories from uh, the massive bowl of nutritious stuff. So be diligent. Remember, because I sometimes forget to ask your uh, waiter, waitress to please cook your meal in butter or other saturated fat rather than cooking it in vegetable oil. Especially when I go out for breakfast, I like to order their finest omelet. Please cook the omelet in butter rather than vegetable oil and any other food. Ask them. (laughs) If they say no, go somewhere else. And quite possibly some of these restaurants might not even have butter around. Hard to imagine that they don't have butter around. So uh, good luck, but make sure to ask and be clear about that. Questions. Oh, we're going so quickly. Uh, hope you're hanging on. And uh, oh my gosh, sorry, my thing was stuck. And um, Dude Spellings writes in only only a second after I get it out of my mouth. What a quick thinking individual. He says he's actually been to somewhere and asked, and they don't even have butter on the premises. What a joke, man. Don't go there. I mean, yeah, make a statement, walk out. <laughs> That'd be funny. Okay. Oh, you don't have butter? Sorry, I have to leave. Uh, but you can, if you're uh, sensitive in this area, which sometimes I'm one of those guys, I was listening to a podcast or something about uh, you know, uh, advocating for yourself in a restaurant setting. And I'm like, are you one of those people that's easily sending their meal back three times? Or uh, are you uh, content to eat something that's close to what you ordered? And I'm kind of that person that doesn't want to make a big scene and bother people. So you got to get better at that and get out there and use your voice. And you're allowed to, along those lines, you're allowed to say, oh, I'm allergic to vegetable oils. Can you please cook it in butter? And that will get them properly scared uh, to, um, you know, try to try to look after you. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm allergic to negative people. I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. I'm allergic to um, uh, 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 credit card interest rates. I have a lot of allergies going on right now. Um, let's see. I'm looking at questions. Sorry. Oh, Larry Diamond's uh, talking of super duper huge success story. I think you're on ketoreset.com, right, Larry? You're on Primal Health Coach. Lost a lot of weight, turned the family health around too. Fantastic story coming out of Austin, Texas, just like Dude Spillings. 
What's up, Austin? Uh, Larry says he's been doing more real food carbohydrates at night. I love these adjectives that uh, the most clever among us make up. So when you say real food carbs, that's a nice way to distinguish between uh, slamming the processed food carbs. Ooh, Larry, others, does popcorn count? What do you think? Uh, I guess you could do worse, right? I mean, organic popcorn. Hey, at least I got that going for me and putting a lot of butter on that thing. So it's sort of like the popcorn is a delivery vehicle for the butter and olive oil and the salt that I'm ingesting. Yes, yes. Okay, so then Larry continues and says, uh, but when obese uh, and I are insulin resistant, this was not a great stat strategy. Know thyself, tweak the recipe for you. Right, so my story about Ben Greenfield, super duper athlete, uh, getting these big carb doses at night, um, worked for him and was ensuring that he was restocking his glycogen. If you are already fully glycogen stocked because you don't move around much in daily life and don't do any workouts of any significance, especially are skipping out on the critically important high intensity workouts, then you're a full tank. What happens at the gas station when you keep your hand on the trigger after the uh, the, the gas tank is full, it spills out and makes a mess and uh, ruins the paint on your car. Similarly, when your stores are full and you throw down more carbohydrates, that's when you disturb homeostasis, get free radical reactions because your body is overfed, overwhelmed with food, and all kinds of adverse health consequences to overeating when you're fully stocked. In contrast, using Dr. Kate's quote that appeared many times in the Keto Reset Diet, quote, when the glycogen suitcases are empty, the first thing that happens when you consume carbohydrate calories is they go to refilling those suitcases. So theoretically, having a 7-Eleven Slurpee after a long, hard 10-mile run will be no more deleterious than having a bowl of lentil soup with brown rice because all you're doing is converting uh, those ingested calories, whether they're the complex carbs mentioned or the simple carbs, and they're getting converted uh, into glucose and going right back into glycogen storage. So the uh, frequent depletion of glycogen through hard workouts uh, is a health protective mechanism because it's uh, helping mitigate any potential negative effects of the insulin spike that occurs uh, when your suitcases are full and you throw down more carbs that you can handle uh, at any one time. Uh, both uh, Peter Tia and Kate Shanahan have made this point that uh, carbs are only objectionable when they disturb homeostasis. Hmm, which is almost always for most people. That's why they're the killers of modern times, right? The, the sugar is killing us. We now know it's the sugar killing us, not the saturated fat. That's because people are fully stocked, not moving enough, not exercising enough. So a uh, question from Heidi. Uh, how many groups uh, demand only 20 carbs? That's an interesting, uh, interestingly worded question. A group on Facebook is going to demand how you eat. Uh, I'm offended and a little triggered just to read it. Don't be making no demands on me. I'm just coming here for entertainment, education, and connection. So how about a suggestion instead of a demand? 
Right on, Heidi. Thanks for calling out. Because then she says, uh, parentheses, I've since unjoined these groups because I eat between 30 to 40 grams of carbs per day and have succeeded in cutting a few unwanted pounds. So just to tackle that issue in general, uh, the commonly cited recommendation to stimulate ketone production is 50 grams a day or below. And folks, this is new science. It's a general guideline. It's not set in stone. There's so many other variables. Go check out the prominent endurance athlete and keto king, Sammy Inkinen, and his blog, S-A-M-I-I-N-K-I-N-E-N, where he talked about doing a multi-day mountain bike stage race, burning zillions of calories each day on the mountain bike for many hours, racing hard. And he was consuming up and over 200 grams of carbohydrates per day in an effort to recover from the daily stage events. And he was still in ketosis the entire time. He's a highly keto-adapted athlete. He and his wife rode from San Francisco to Hawaii in a rowboat, 42 days on the ocean, eating 80% fat diet, full keto all the way, making those ketones, fueling that brain, getting there safely and successfully to Hawaii. So a highly keto-adapted athlete, when burning a lot of calories, such as in that mountain bike stage race or rowing the boat every day, uh, can consume vastly more than this 50-gram cutoff. But the 50-gram cutoff is used for uh, active folks. So if you're in the inactive category, uh, a lot of recommendations are bringing you down to uh, only 20 grams of carbs per day, which seems to me to be virtually impossible if you're trying to eat uh, healthy, nutritious, colorful plant life. You're going to hit that 20 number uh, in no time flat. And so I guess the takeaway point is if you want to try this keto stuff, you might as well be active. It counts so much toward your success with fat burning if you just get up and move around more in daily life. And if you don't, in contrast, many studies show that even a sedentary period sitting on your butt for as brief as 20 minutes can uh, compromise your insulin sensitivity, can make you insulin resistant. In other words, fat burning will become compromised if you sit on your butt for a sustained period of time. Humans are designed to move around all day long. So when you are in that uh, demanding cognitive job where you're interacting with the screen all day long, I'm not saying to close your laptop and go to the park 12 times a day instead of do your job or uh, attend your long meeting in the conference room, but there are assorted mechanisms that you can do without disturbing the world to stay active. I like to do these uh, uh, kind of ballet dancer drills when I'm at my stand-up desk. I wonder if I have enough background to show you if you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, but I kick my leg out sideways. There, I can see it, right? So I'm trying to make a... Um, uh, 90 degree angle between the leg on the ground and the leg out uh, sideways and then extend my knee straight all the way. The door's in the way during this demo, but it's pretty tough, pretty tricky. You have to start out holding on to something for balance. And now I just do it freestanding. People look at me really weird in airports, uh, but I'm moving and I'm actually getting a great mobility flexibility drill for my hip flexors, those highly compromised uh, parts of your body that's so important for all athletic movement that get trashed when you're sitting down compressing them uh, for hours and hours. So try to move around even in your cubicle uh, as much as possible. It will also contribute to better brain function, better brain oxygenation, blood circulation. Okay, uh, going down. 
<clears throat> Gil and Larry are going back and forth, ripping on these restaurants that don't even have butter. Right on. And Larry, good point. Mark Sisson does the same thing. Larry Diamond says he brings primal dressings into the restaurant, literally brings it himself. Uh, I've been doing that with salt, just like Eva O'Donnell. Right on, Eva. Uh, I bring my bottle of real salt. Do I have one standing here? Oh, I should have a little product placement, but uh, the real salt, that's the name of the brand. Redmond Real Salt, it tastes so good. It just enhances the flavor of the food and makes sure that I'm getting enough sodium intake. We know this has been an issue in the keto community, uh, not getting enough sodium as well as other electrolytes. So when you go keto and you remove especially the processed high-carbohydrate foods that are laden with massive doses of sodium, uh, you could come into a deficit concern not only because you're uh, eliminating those highly processed, high-sodium foods, but also because when you go keto or when you go low-carb, you uh, possibly are removing the offensive foods that have damaged gut lining and triggered uh, an inflammatory response throughout the body, a chronic inflammation response uh, that occurs when you're eating stuff like gluten every single day. So when you're chronically inflamed from a high-gluten, high-sugar diet, you have increased water retention in cells throughout your body because they're inflamed, they're swollen. And then when you go keto or go low carb, uh, you, the inflammation and the water retention uh, uh, is minimized because you're getting healthy now, you're not inflamed. That's why people will go uh, low carb keto for a couple of weeks and their face looks different because the inflammation in the cells of their face is so noticeable. And they say, oh, you look good. Have you gone on a diet? And you say, yeah, I feel great. It's keto. It's wonderful. However, I'm kind of getting dizzy a lot. <laughs> so what happens when you reduce inflammation in cells throughout your body is when those cells shed that extra fluid they're also shedding the sodium, potassium, magnesium, the electrolytes that are contained in this inflamed uh, being. So to adjust, you want to increase your dietary consumption of those key electrolytes, namely sodium, magnesium, potassium. Sodium, uh, talk to Dr. Deg Dom D'Agostino before spouting out uh, specifics here. So uh, his recommendation, five grams per day of extra sodium intake to account for your ketogenic diet journey. Five grams is a teaspoon, right? Uh, potassium, you can get this from potassium-rich foods, especially avocado uh, and the leafy greens. We always talk about the banana, but the avocado crushes the banana. I don't know about literally, because if you tried to smash them together, both of them would crush, wouldn't they? But the avocado uh, is vastly superior to the banana in the potassium content. And then magnesium, since it's such a common deficiency, especially among athletic folks, people that are stressed a lot, have trouble sleeping, could be a magnesium deficiency. So you want to get a quality supplement, uh, 400 grams per day additional, maybe as part of your ketogenic eating strategy to bump up uh, that magnesium intake. Uh, so Shannon says, excellent question. If we do starchy carbs, is it best to do so without the fat? I've read that carbs and fat together are a recipe for weight gain. They're also a recipe for addiction. And the food manufacturers have known this for a long time because uh, historically our genetic experience was that we did not 
consume carbs and fat together. It's like a double whammy, an incredibly intense bomb of a flavorful pleasure when you mix carbs and fat together. So if you quickly off the top of your head rattle off some of the most decadent uh, treats of uh, modern food, ice cream, popcorn with butter like I describe, uh, cheesecake, uh, the packaged products like the Ho-Ho's, Ding-Dong's, Twinkies, they contain both carbs and fat for a distinct reason that these deliver uh, an intense dose of pleasure. In contrast, when you're eating something that's just carbs, like a bowl of blueberries, definitely pleasurable, definitely uh, aligned with our genetic experience to uh, be attracted to these foods because of the survival benefit, but it's not the same. It doesn't have that strange addictive property that keeps you coming back for more and more because our ancestors generally binged on carbohydrates during those narrow times of the year, the peak ripening seasons for the local fruit, right? So they didn't have the year-round consumption of pineapples from Costco 10,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago, nor did they commonly uh, make these prepared foods where you're mixing carbs and fat together. So not only a recipe for weight gain, uh, but uh, also uh, dependency. So that's a good point, Shannon. How would we uh, apply that to real life? Should we have, if we're going to have a carb binge, should we have it independently of any fat? maybe that's an interesting concept to ponder. Certainly, we know the benefits of having just fat for a snack or having our butter coffee in the morning where we're not spiking insulin because we're not consuming any carbs with that uh, high-fat coffee. So, uh, Or reaching for a handful of macadamia nuts in the afternoon, which is mostly fat, not much carb, and therefore kind of uh, a staving off any potential sugar craving. So should we separate carbs and fat? I guess there's maybe not always because we also want to enjoy our life and have these delicious meals where we are uh, slathering butter over our broccoli and things like that. Although that's a bad example because uh, the broccoli has so much nutritional value, so much fiber and water content that it wouldn't be an insulin spike in and of itself. Okay. So when we're talking about, um, carbs and fat together, the dangers. Mainly, I guess the best answer would be start by ditching those processed decadent foods that contain those and go for quality. So if you're going to go to Cheesecake Factory, which I often referenced over the years as my, my vice, my indulgence, I love the cheesecake flavors at Cheesecake Factory. And then as I dehabituated from it by not going there very frequently, and then came back and tried one, it was disgustingly sweet to me. They make cheesecakes that are too sweet. I just got back from New York City. Guess what? Had a little New York cheesecake while I was there, I believe, on two separate occasions. Delicious. A real cheesecake that has that cakey consistency and does not taste too sweet. So you're mainly tasting, I guess you're tasting the cream cheese, whatever stuff's in there. It was a big difference from an overly sweetened cheesecake. So go for quality uh, 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 freshly prepared treats. And if they happen to contain carbs and fat together once in a while, enjoy the heck out of them with full intention and awareness, but definitely get rid of the carb and fat junk food together. Oh boy. Shannon had no idea she was going to get that crazy of an answer. Uh, but yeah, you can Google articles. I've seen a couple good ones recently talking about, uh, the hijack to our genetic experience when they put carbs and fat together and how effective that is for food manufacturers. Dude, spellings, Austin, Texas, advanced 
primal keto living enthusiast, constantly on a quest for further information and insights. Listen to our awesome show on the Primal Endurance podcast recently, two shows actually. I got numerous letters from people saying that this is some of the favorite stuff they've ever heard from uh, on, on the Primal Endurance show. So dude says, do strict math runs, the runs at maximum aerobic heart rate or below, deplete glycogen? If I'm below math, in theory, I'm burning fat, right? So if I go run 10 plus miles at math, that's a very comfortably paced low heart rate or below, is it appropriate to eat some whole food carbs after? Okay, so for the endurance athletes listening, if you do a fat, or not necessarily strict athletes, but anyone who's doing like a fat burning workout, like a hike or a jog if you're in good shape, but something that's at or below your maximum aerobic heart rate, which implies that you are at the point of maximum fat oxidation in your body, maximum fat oxidation rate, right? You're burning more fat calories per minute than at any other heart rate and minimal glucose burning. So that's the maximum aerobic heart rate. If you were to go faster and faster and speed up, you would start burning less fat, but more glucose because you go uh, as you go faster, you burn a greater percentage of glucose uh, when we have insufficient oxygen and the more need for quick energy food rather than the, uh, the, uh, the bigger uh, fat-burning engines that allow you to go for uh, long duration but at a slower pace. You know, dude, I tested this one time. I tested my uh, glucose before the start of what was for me a long run of about an hour and 15 minutes, and then I tested it after and it was the same. It was like 99 at the start and uh, 100 at the end or something like that. So one thing that proved to me that I was fat adapted, so I didn't drain my glycogen tank running at a slow pace. So I was fit enough to run at whatever heart rate and preserve, uh, keep my blood sugar steady. It didn't necessarily mean that I didn't deplete glycogen because maybe I was making more uh, glucose through fight or flight response during the workout to supply my needs. But I would say in theory, a strict math run is not going to uh, appreciably deplete glycogen. Now, if you're fat adapted, such as the subjects of the FASTER study, they had an amazing insight came out of this study. It's called F-A-S-T-E-R. It was a landmark study for uh, the endurance scene and also the uh, understanding, modern understanding about fat burning. And here was one of the main takeaway insights for everyone. Don't get bored while I'm talking about it, even if you're not an endurance athlete. They had uh, fat-adapted endurance athletes purposely deplete their glycogen on a three-hour treadmill run. So even a fit guy is going to deplete some glycogen going for three hours of running. Their glycogen was depleted, and the next day it was restored magically, even though they didn't have a big dose of carbohydrates after the workout. How does that happen? Through assorted complex mechanisms that we talk about in detail in the Keto Reset Diet, I believe in the appendix or in the advanced strategies, but your body has ways of restocking glycogen, uh, such as converting ingested amino acids into the glucose you need, and wow, not, uh, not draining that much glycogen in the first place because you're fat adapted, so you're not draining glycogen, and that's why it's so critical to pair uh, the diet promoting fat burning uh, with your exercise habits. So you get an actual boost in fitness and performance because of your diet. If you get better at burning fat through dietary means, 
You can perform better in the workout. You can last longer before you fall apart, uh, bonking from uh, the the horrible sensation of low blood sugar, low blood sugar uh, glycogen depletion. Um, then uh, Gil says, "My man, Gil." Up there in Idaho, putting in miles. Follow him on Instagram, Gil Morocco. Very inspirational. Come a long way from, what did you weigh, Gil? Like over 200 pounds, 5'7". Did you get up to 200? Something like that. And now he's down lean and mean. His six-pack is back. What are you, 150, 160 now? Running 10 miles, 13 miles. Yeah, living a healthy life up there and fully into the primal keto scene. And he's asking uh, for interested folks, would you suggest they go primal first and then slowly transition over to uh, ketogenic eating patterns? Absolutely right. And thank you for getting me focused because I was um, talking through quickly the keto reset diet journey. But let's pick it up. I was talking about week one, you ditch grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils to transition away from carb dependency and become fat adapted. Week two, you focus on the complementary lifestyle practices that support keto rather than compromise it. So you gotta nail your sleeping habits. You have to nail your exercise and movement habits. In other words, you gotta move around a lot and once in a while, push yourself with a high intensity workout that'll uh, stimulate those uh, fat reduction goals and things like that. And then, of course, your stress management practices. So if you're a type A, high stress, hectic pace all day long, running around, this is promoting carbohydrate dependency, carbohydrate cravings, rather than uh, the fat burning state, which is more associated with uh, feeling calm and unhurried and relaxed. So you got to get your lifestyle in order. Uh, week three of the 21 day reset, you put everything together and start measuring some stuff to see how you're doing, such as tracking your carbs, seeing where you stand, seeing if you're anywhere near 50, <laughs> who knows, maybe you're, uh, uh, overly optimistic like I am sometimes and think, yeah, I must be around 50. And then you're actually 150. So you got to take some corrective action, uh, when that kind of stuff happens. So then you have this 21 day metabolism reset. You complete it successfully. Then you go into what's called the fine-tuning period where you test your level of metabolic flexibility by, for example, not necessary, but uh, skipping breakfast in the morning and seeing how long you can comfortably last until you get hungry for uh, calories and energy in a meal. And if you can last from the previous night's dinner till 12 noon, that's a good sign that you have built up a nice level of metabolic flexibility. And when I say last, I mean feel fantastic, feel comfortable, peak cognitive function, maybe even perform a workout in a fasted state and carry on for a while afterward in a fasted state. And that shows that you've uh, done the good work. And if you can't, if you're hungry uh, at mealtime, like clockwork every day, three meals a day, you must eat or you're going to run out of energy. That's a sign that you're still locked at some level of carbohydrate dependency. And I said, skip breakfast if you want, because you can also try to skip a different meal. So maybe you'll have breakfast because you're a morning person. You like your routine. You're working so much on a busy day and traveling around in your car, whatever, that you don't have a chance to eat a fabulous lunch. So maybe it's the fact that you're skipping lunch as your fine-tuning period, your testing period to see your level of fat adaptation. The main goal is to just see how well you can do without a constant ingestion of external calories as your prominent energy source. Get it? 
That's the fine-tuning period in the Keto Reset Diet book and also in the Keto Reset Mastery course on video. I take you through in extreme detail and precision the whole process of doing uh, the the 21-day metabolism reset, the fine-tuning period, and the Keto Reset Diet midterm exam. The world-famous midterm exam, a passing grade of 75% or higher, means that you're ready to go keto. If you are not getting a passing grade or you're having trouble skipping meals and feeling good, you stay in 21-day reset mode for a longer duration period of time. No big deal. It's the 42-day reset. Not as sexy of a book cover, but it's making progress and going forward, not beating yourself up because you haven't uh, hit these arbitrary goals in an arbitrary length of time. You're just building metabolic flexibility, building your fat-burning skills. Then finally, the third stage of the Keto Reset Diet Journey is a committed six-week period of nutritional ketosis. This would be a bucket list item for anyone, even if you don't want to stay in keto for the rest of your life and prefer a more fluctuating pattern like myself, actually. I have a lot of keto days, maybe even strings of a couple few days of keto, maybe a week, and then I'll have periods of time where... I'm enjoying more popcorn, sweet potatoes, real food carbs, as Larry Diamond says, maybe in conjunction with uh, ambitious exercise periods or just different moods, man, whatever strikes me, okay? So don't get too fixated on this is how I'm going to eat the rest of my life, but do complete the Keto Reset Diet journey in its entirety, especially the six-week keto period, because when you graduate that, you will have achieved the highest level of metabolic flexibility, having gone through a six-week period where you really did a good job cutting your carbs and uh, moderating protein to stimulate ketone production in the liver, regardless of what the numbers show on your blood meters, because there's a lot of uh, confusion, controversy, uncertainty about what all that really means. I've related on shows before where I was deep into a strict ketogenic experiment, fasting a lot, doing fasted workouts, uh, eating a keto-aligned meal, eating another one, and then pricking my finger, realizing that I haven't had any appreciable amount of carbs in the last 36 to 48 hours, and still only pulling a 0.3 or something. I'm going, wow, what does a guy got to do to get some numbers around here? Uh, but there are likely some interesting explanations for that. One of them is Dr. Kate Shanahan's uh, concept of ketone flux, where my body is making whatever ketones I need to fuel my brain. And if it's not high register on the scale, that might be an individual genetic reaction or what have you. And I'm still uh, obtaining all these wonderful benefits of living in the keto zone, as Mark Sisson calls it. Uh, Larry Diamond comes back and supports my popcorn habit by saying, I found carbon fat together at night fine, actually, because it lowers the blood glucose spikes and the body will still refill with glycogen. So that works pretty well. Interesting. So yeah, if you are going to go uh, uh, binge on, <laughs> who knows, uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, uh, should we pour some uh, olive oil on top? Why not? My friend Dewey Lucero, who sells olive oil, used to sample it at uh, you know trade shows, uh, uh, public gatherings, and he'd serve a little scoop of ice cream slathered in olive oil. He sold so much olive oil that way, you can't believe it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Hamed says, what's the long-term effect of keto? How about, 
longer life, reduced risk of the epidemic metabolic diseases that we see in modern life, also the epidemic conditions of cognitive decline. Remember that the ketogenic diet has been used for over a century to treat the conditions of epilepsy that were drug resistant. In other words, the powerful anti-epileptic, anti-seizure drugs didn't work on certain patients. They gave them the ketogenic diet with great success, Dr. Wilder at the Mayo Clinic back in the 1920s. So it's a proven disease protection strategy. And maybe you don't have epilepsy, don't really care that much about how keto addresses epilepsy. But interesting to note for me, eye-opener, when I was starting to do the research and working on the book, uh, why does it work for epilepsy? Because it sends more oxygen and blood to the brain, raising the oxygen threshold at which seizures occur. So if you can eat in a manner that gives your brain more oxygen and more blood delivery, uh, seems like a good thing, doesn't it? Seems like worth looking into especially when we look at these rates of cognitive decline that are increasing and people blame it on, well, people are just living longer. That's why everyone's getting Alzheimer and dementia. And now we're seeing some strong voices speak out and some science pointing to the idea that maybe lifelong consumption of sugar is a strong contributing factor to the epidemic rate of cognitive decline. And what a terrible way to go at the end, to have your mind go and have those golden years of reminiscing and connecting with family and watching your grandchildren crawl around or play t-ball. Uh, what a way to go to have that uh, be disturbed and compromised by a poorly functioning brain. Uh, Gil Morocco writes in that, yeah, he was 210, went primal, got it down to 160. Yes, keep it up. It's possible to drop weight and keep it off. Unfortunately, historic example of the traditional approach to dieting is people uh, go on a crash diet, drop a lot of weight, and somewhere around 99% of them gain it back and then some because they haven't become fat adapted. All they did was uh, go into a fight or flight response where uh, the body still burning glucose uh, but just getting fewer dietary calories, dropping that fat, spinning out of that experience, feeling depleted, traumatized, overstressed because of all the deprivation and restriction involved, and then allowing the body to kind of transition back to normal dietary patterns and also recovering from that metabolic damage by overeating. So when you mess with your appetite and fat storage hormones by restricting calories when you're not good at burning fat, you will have a rebound effect. Muy mal noticias. Okay. Do keto right. Listen to the description of uh, that I just provided about the, uh, the keto reset diet journey where you step by step by step. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry, Allie. She gave me some feedback that the, um, uh, the webcam is off center, a bit too high and a little dark. So I'll fix that up for next time. And yeah, that comment came uh, just in time for uh, to, to wrap up the show. But anyway, you know what I look like. Let me get into the light here. Oh, I did make it lighter in my office. Dude Spellings is right because I've changed out the regular uh, blue light light bulb 